0: Welcome back to Delta Flyer, I'm Stuart Hollis.
1: And I'm Thad Haight.
0: This week we're talking about Season 2, Episode 24, Tuvix.
1: I do not have a joke, other than maybe we're going to blend our thoughts together?
0: We are, we are going to blend our thoughts together, and because, as in the episode, it wasn't just two people coming together, there was a third element we brought in, friend of the show, Ben.
2: Everyone's favorite orchid. I'm the orchid that doesn't matter at the end. (laughs) (laughs)
0: yeah it is weird that like when they finished the process there wasn't like a flower sitting between them
1: that would be high comedy I hadn't even thought about. well one of them still has the flower in them actually they must because the the transporter locked on to the one organism that their thing had, had attached to so that means that one of them is the same person and the other one is that person mixed with a flower
0: well conveniently they both love flowers
1: yeah, that's true
0: it originally aired on the 6th of may 1996 and was written by
1: it was written by andrew price and mark Gaberman who did four other episodes and the teleplay was by kenneth biller it was directed by cliff Bull, uh, most he's a well-known star trek director uh Most notably, and I've probably mentioned this before, but I can't tell because my notes were from several months ago, uh, (laughs) the Bolians were named for him.
0: Yes, you have mentioned this before.
2: Why were your notes from several months ago, then? (laughs)
1: Wibbly-wobbly-timey-wimey.
0: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So, our synopsis from TV Guide. A glitch in the transporter is a major problem for Tuvok and Neelix when it merges them into Tuvix a being who does not wish to be separate individuals again.
1: Memory Alpha says, After a transporter malfunction, Tuvok and Neelix are merged into a single being. In the search for a way to restore them to their original forms, a moral dilemma is faced as the new being does not want to be terminated.
0: Yeah, that's pretty much what happens.
2: Those are very accurate this time. Yeah. I mean,
1: pass- It uses passive voice, but that's like my only complaint.
0: <laughs> so our episode opens on the surface of, I don't know, some planet. I don't know if it ever got a
2: name. I don't know if it does. I feel like it doesn't.
1: No, they just say their sensors have located a variety of flour.
0: P3X Q47. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, uh, and we we find out that they've located this flower that could be a
0: good source of food
1: or, yes, nutritional supplement, and Janeway sends down Neelix and Tuvok to check it out, which we learned in a previous episode, that Neelix and Tuvok both have an appreciation for orchids, so it makes a certain amount of sense.
0: I think that was Tattoo?
1: I believe so, yes.
0: Neelix and Tuvok are the go-to plant procurers for the ship, so...
2: Tuvok does state, I appreciate nature, yes, which is kind of how I feel when anyone asks me if I want to go outside. (laughs) And we start with
1: Neelix saying that Tuvok is being more Tuvokian than usual.
0: Yes. And then he keeps trying to coax Tuvok out of his shell, I guess? I don't know.
1: By singing a Vulcan funeral dirge.
0: Yeah, but I, I was thinking that uh, Tuvok, when he gets back to the ship, might want to go, uh, you know, fire up that holodeck program again.
1: Oh, how awkward <laughs> would it be if that's what, that's what uh, Tuvix does on so his off time?
0: <laughs> he's like i remember tuvok really enjoying this particular holo program i can't remember why
2: though well you we learn later that tuvix really couldn't be bothered with the fact that one of his people has a wife but that comes later right yes <laughs> i just like how so we've spoken before about how tuvok is potentially my favorite vulcan because i think he's the uber vulcan right he has none of that half-human stuff to contend with. He's just short, mm-hmm. straight-up Vulcan. He's 100% snark, too. Yeah, and so having a times-ten Tuvok is A-plus material for me. <laughs> um, and I also don't hate Neelix as much as most people do, but having a times-ten Neelix is definitely the worst. That's
1: nightmare material right there. Yeah.
2: I was like, I want this Tuvok on every episode, and I want that Neelix nowhere ever on the show. No no one has ever said, let's take Neelix and turn him up to 11. You know what, Mr. Phillips? If you could just dial it up a bit, I think that would <laughs> really turn people back
1: on. I, I think in his entire <laughs> acting career, no one has ever said that to him. <laughs>
0: well, what we really need out of this scene, Ethan, is for you to lay it on thicker.
1: Yeah. Fun fact: They wouldn't call him Ethan because Ethan Phillips is only his stage name. Uh, he, people who know him, know him as Johnny. Oh, that's spectacular!
0: Oh, the things you learn at cons.
1: Yes, John Phillips <laughs> presumably is some other person, and because the Georgia. Screen Actors Guild has their rules, you can't have two people with the same name. Oh, really? Mm-hmm.
0: Certainly not alive at the same
2: time. I like him in all of his other performances, so...
1: Off the top of my head, the only other performances I can think of are Star Trek First Contact
2: and <laughs> uh, For Richer or Poorer. Um, he was on... I want. I think he was on Girls. Oh, no, he was on Benson also. Yeah.
0: What's a Benson?
1: With René Aubergemois.
0: What's a Benson?
2: It's a TV show <laughs> in the 80s. He was definitely also on an episode of Veep, which is a really great episode. I never got into Veep. Oh, so good. Anyways, Tuvix. <laughs>
1: yes. We have the interesting counterpoint that Tuvok then asks Neelix to be less like himself just after he mentions to Neelix that he can be no more or no less than what he <laughs> is. Oh it seems a bit a, a bit
2: illogical there, Mr. Falcon.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, I uh, I picked up on that as well. Thought it was ironic.
2: I presume it means that Tuvok has decided that he is the most logical, best form of himself, and Neelix clearly is not. And so he could be- behave a little less <laughs> like himself, and it would actually be better.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's not wrong.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, while this conversation is going on, we cut back to the ship, and, they're, and it's, you know, hey, are we ready to beam it back up yet? It's like, no, 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 we're having troubles with the things, but don't worry ensign kim is on the case
1: (laughs) why is torres on the bridge and kim in the transporter room doing the engineering things
0: because we need this week's example of why harry kim will still be an ensign next week
2: oh (laughs) i'm pretty sure even that other hottie uh is a lieutenant right lieutenant hogan isn't his name well that depends oh boy Oh, here Thank you, go. Ben. Thank you so much. <laughs> oh no! Did I set up a conversation about Hogan Pips Weekly? Is Tuvix
0: doesn't even have Pips on his stinking uniform? We could have we could have skipped this whole thing, but no.
2: No, his tor- his uniform is black with tortellini's on the top. I don't...
0: <laughs> I don't. I don't hate his uniform.
1: Okay, so Hogan is either an ensign or a crewman,
2: or if you look at his rag pip, a non commissioned officer. I like that he gives a good bow face when, like, Tuvix shows up. <laughs> yes. It's a big acting moment. Good for him. Yeah.
0: He's, su- he's surprised by the tortellini. Oh, you know what they might be? They might be, like little, like, little flower patterns. Like, that's the orchid coming through.
2: I would presume so as well, but they're definitively tortellini. What I find amazing <laughs> of that is that was
1: not the pattern of Neelix's jacket. Like, Neelix's no. jacket was, like, diamonds. <laughs> so how did the transporter come up with that?
0: I mean like truth be told though I don't hate the uniform it's like it, it almost feels like you know if we go all the way back to the beginning when we first meet Neelix and he's like can it make me a uniform like yours it's like, and, to, and Tuvok says no it cannot make you a uniform like this one I could just like imagine like Neelix fiddling with the, with the replicator to make that uniform that he's wearing right now
1: mm. I like that yeah I like that too it's fascinating though because it's the cut of Neelix's jacket Uh, with the colors of Tuvok's uniform and the pattern of neither
2: of them.
0: Yeah. Well, that's the flower. Or the tortellini. There's a rare breed of tortellinian orchid on the planet.
2: (laughs) Mm. That's why it's a nutritional supplement. Delicious. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Much better than Leola root.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I guess it is supposed to be a flower. It does kind of look flower-ish.
0: Yeah, and... You know, as we find out once he announces just before the theme, like, I am Tuvok, uh, and Harry lowers his phaser. After the theme, we go to the medical bay, and the doctor is telling us, well, I ran a scan, and he's a perfect amalgam of the two of them. And I realized that like, the point of this episode was not to do body horror, because we just had that a couple of months ago with Threshold. But yeah. by all accounts this should not have been such a seamless merging of the two
1: for what it's worth. He says these two walk after
2: the theme. Well,
0: that I means <laughs> that's fair. I, I don't know how much it's worth either, but fair.
2: <laughs> Do you think when the doctor says someone is in perfect health, he's being like hyperbole, like he's doing hyperbole. He's got anyone. How is anyone being diagnosed by a computer to be in perfect health? And
1: how does he know what a
2: Volaxian is supposed to be? This Volaxian organ is in perfect health. That makes zero sense for a computer to say.
0: I I remember reading something like ten or fifteen years ago maybe, where it was something to the effect of like if anyone like if just like pick a random person off the street, someone who you might think is in perfect health, and if you ran them through like every diagnostic screen that a hospital can offer, you will find things wrong.
2: Correct, and I asked a good friend of your sister podcast, Marcus, what he if he would ever say such a foolish thing, and he was like, no, legally we never say perfect health, because that opens us up to lawsuits. We say you're in good health. You, like, know Marcus in person?
0: You're in cahoots with Marcus?
2: Marcus is my best friend's boyfriend. That's wait, amazing. Wait. You didn't know that? I've told you that seriously? before. Seriously? No, you no. I feel like I've told you this before.
1: I had no idea that our biologist had a. Yeah, we actually, yeah. There was a six degr- There was a couple degrees of separation between us and our biologist. I introduced
2: him to the
0: podcast.
1: Oh, that's well, that helps
0: narrow it down. But, <laughs> wow.
2: Yeah. No, I had no idea.
0: Yeah, no. Th- this is, like this is a whole revelation for us. This is amazing. I'm
2: doing marketing <laughs> all the time, friends. This is what mm-hmm. I do.
0: Nice. So yeah, so we're so we're in sick bay. We find out that the you know Valaxian is in perfect health, and then (laughs) time for him to go down to the science lab so that Kes can administer like a more a more full scan, I guess.
1: Interestingly enough, this is the first episode of Voyager where we see the science lab.
0: Is it the last? No. Okay, it would be funny.
1: (laughs) That is not a one and done.
0: Okay, Uh, and this is the start of. Tuvix's creepiness and also the start of Tuvix because he goes through the whole process of like I need a name for myself I can see why the doctor's been so confused and like within five seconds he's like Tuvix that's what I'll do name he problem solved. He is right salt.
1: Tuvix is better than Nevok.
0: It is. Maybe? I think like Valaxian actually might be better than both of them <laughs> mm. but yes this is this is when he starts to get creepy with his whole you know well thank you sweeting. Apparently it's sweeting
1: does what the subtitles say. It has always sounded like Sweetie when Neelix says it, but yes. At
0: the very, very end when Neelix says it again, I can hear it.
1: The subtitles have always said Sweeting, and I think, like, my mind just assumes Sweetie because who says Sweeting?
0: Neelix yeah, does, weird. and Tupix. I also appreciate, uh, after that, when we're back in sick bay, the doctor's reaction to uh, to the name Tupix. Yes. It's like, yes, that's why he decided to call himself.
2: The Doctor is particularly persnickety this episode. Yeah, it's great. Which is saying (laughs) something.
0: This scene in Sickbay is also when Tuvix makes it clear that he's been poked and prodded and examined and everything else and he's restless and he's ready to get to work.
1: And organs he didn't know he had. Yes. Which is fair because he may actually have organs he didn't know he had.
0: Yeah, I suppose that's true. It's not like he would have two hearts or anything. So if the Talaxians and the Vulcans both have some sort of like vestigial organ, then maybe he has a new different, exciting vestigial well, organ. Plus, he
2: could
1: have orchid organs.
0: <laughs> like, he's got some stamens hidden somewhere.
2: It was the first time that Tubok ever felt a funny bone. No? Okay. Alright. Moving on.
1: <laughs> Usually I make the terrible jokes, but that that was nope, it's a me whole tonight. new level. Nope, it's me tonight. I can
0: only imagine, like, if a Vulcan ever, like, knocked their funny bone and being like, hmm... It seems a strange sensation has just traveled up my arm. <laughs> so he, uh, so he wants something to do, and the captain is, suggests, "Well, go back to mess hall. You know, we 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 need that cooking." Even though there's no way he's feeding the whole crew, but whatever. <laughs> and he's like, "Well, actually, I'd much rather be the tactical officer," which Janeway is rather taken aback by.
1: Well, there presumably are more relief tactical officers than there are relief cooks. That said, there should also be relief cooks.
0: Well, I mean, as we see later in the episode, apparently no one on the ship knows how to cook.
1: (laughs) Well, if you think about the fact that you live in a world where you get most of your food from the replicator, the only people who cook are people who, like, choose to do so as a hobby. No one is cooking out of necessity in the 24th century. So it makes a certain amount of sense that none of the people that were there at the time knew how to cook.
0: I guess, yeah, it still feels wrong,
1: it does, but I think that's our twentieth century sensibilities showing
0: I, I mean, are we to are we led to believe that every home in the federation or like or at least on earth has a replicator in it? Yes, oh, well, no, oh.
2: it is slightly comical when whatever. Rank he is, Hogan is just like holding fruit in his hands and looking confused, as though he doesn't know what to do with a papaya or something. I wouldn't know what to do with a papaya.
1: I wouldn't know what to do with papaya. You to be eat fair. it.
2: You eat the papaya.
1: Okay. Do I
0: take the skin off? Do I not take the skin off? Is there like a is there like a thing inside? Are there seeds? I don't know.
2: I have never eaten a papaya.
0: Like if I find the seeds, can I eat the seeds? Like is it like pomegranate where you only eat the seeds? I don't know.
2: I understand why you guys have such sympathy for these people who can't cook now.
0: I have no sympathy for the people who can't cook, but I wouldn't know what to do with a papaya.
1: I have rudimentary cooking skills, but I have never cooked, I have never prepared a papaya.
0: I don't even know if I've seen a papaya.
1: I've probably seen one and just didn't know what it was.
0: It's a kind of hot dog, right?
1: (laughs) Yes, that's exactly what it is.
0: Well, then what's the deal with that, with, you know, that, that place in New York? (laughs)
1: Oh,
2: that's a good point. But those are gray papayas. (laughs) Oh, okay, okay. I'm gonna show up to your house with a papaya and be like, look at this wonder from the new world that I found.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know what it tastes like.
2: It tastes like papaya.
1: Thank you.
0: (laughs) So... (laughs) We're in the briefing room, where there are no papayas.
1: That we know of. You don't That's know true. what a papaya looks like.
0: They could be <laughs> hiding anywhere. The whole ship could be made of papayas. I don't know.
2: <laughs> I hope a listener corrects me as well, because I don't actually know if it was a papaya. It was a fruit of some kind.
0: <laughs> so, see, he doesn't know what it looks like either. Does Marcus
2: listen to Delta Flyer? Please tell me, Marcus. Give me a text. <laughs> Because Marcus is good at
1: correcting us. That's why I commented that. (laughs) He corrects me all the time.
0: He hasn't corrected us in a while. It's
1: true. (laughs) Well, that's because we didn't want to go... That's because because we deliberately steered away from talking about that (laughs) in in a recent episode. Because I don't want Marcus to tell us that we're wrong again.
2: (laughs) After an episode where I talked about math, he texted me and was like, This is just disgraceful and embarrassing. (laughs) Did he
0: at least say that I got the math right?
2: Uh, Yeah, no, he was impressed. And then he Woo-hoo. was like, you should maybe just let the other people talk next time. <laughs> <laughs> this is awesome. Well,
0: Marcus, if you also listen to Delta Fly, you're getting a lot of play on this episode.
2: Yes. going to listen now.
0: Way more than Mr. Ayala got, at least.
2: He was mentioned by did- name. Thank you very much, sir. By name. Yeah, but we don't see him like he says something to him he's clearly supposed
1: to be on the bridge but we never see him
0: yeah like, like that, that that's what i keep coming back to with with ayala is that it's like he gets name dropped a lot, a lot but like the instance of him being name dropped someone turning around and saying yes i am ayala i will respond to this question is super duper rare it's like a unicorn or a papaya he does i don't even have know what a it looks like
1: lines in the show
0: <laughs> okay I look occasionally forward to them. Do
1: pay him, yes.
0: Or or look back. I don't know what. Anyway, we're in the briefing, room
1: If if you're interested in Ayala, um I'm not actually I'm going to plug somebody else's podcast just now. Go. The Nerd Party Networks Punch It, which is a uh, Star Trek writing prompt sort of podcast where they take an idea and then sort of flesh it out.
0: And they open every episode with Bruce, with Bruce Greenwood saying, "Punch it."
1: Actually, yes, they do. Of course uh, they do. Go on. <laughs> And also a clip from a clip of multiple punches from different things, uh including alien and hot fuzz uh nice, but anyway, they recently did an episode uh where they brainstormed how Ayala and Chakotay first met because Ayala was Chakotay's uh first officer on board the Valjean I think if
2: you look at memory beta. There was a book about this. Of
1: course there was. There's been a book
2: about everything, except the lizard babies. Why has there not been a book about the lizard babies? (laughs) Because some publishers have some level of decorum.
0: Hey, as we discussed, honest honest to God, Threshold was less bad than I was expecting up until the last, I don't know, like seven minutes or something.
2: Oh, I've said this a hundred times. Until the tongue falls out, it's actually really great sci-fi. When the
1: tongue falls out, the quality drops just like the tongue.
2: Yeah. But otherwise, it's a
1: really, really cool concept. Yeah. And they just abandoned those poor Lucid babies.
0: So, we're in the briefing room. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we will get through this episode.
1: No, we won't. Uh.
0: And they're discussing what happened with the transporter. And they're all throwing out their ideas and saying, well, everything was actually working perfectly. All the logs came out clean. Everything was great. Except, you know, this happened. And like, well, what about our analysis of the flower? And Kes goes on and talks about you know, flower things, and then just all of a sudden, out of the blue, tuvik says, sex.
1: I beg your pardon?
0: <laughs> so he launches into a thing about how there are certain thing, certain species that go through symbiogenesis, where they combine and merge and form a new species as their way of reproducing, and then walks over and touches Kes' shoulder, and she's super creeped out by it because, of course, she would be, like some weird stranger who thinks that he knows her is touching her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of, um... As much as this episode focuses on Tuvix, it also focuses a lot on Kes. and it does. Thank- thankfully, the director made sure that they focused on her face at key moments. Because mm-hmm. most of the time it is like remorse or discomfort. And at the very end, um, resolution.
1: No, resolutions is a later episode.
0: <laughs> okay, well, we'll talk about her face then.
2: Yeah, I thought it was actually a really strong episode for Kess. I feel like she is given quite a lot of agency in a way that that character doesn't traditionally get.
0: Well, anyone who listens to our podcast knows that I certainly am a big fan of Kess. Yeah, me too. And I'm coming around to Neelix, although he it feels like he regresses in this episode.
1: He does, in a way, yes, but says it's not. It's only kind of Neelix. Right. But yeah, I definitely am in, I definitely am liking Kess this time around too. Sort of interesting. When I first watched the show as a kid in the nineties, I was ambivalent about Kess. I didn't have strong feelings one way or the other. Sure. Later on later rewatches in my twenties, I don't know, Kess never clicked with me. I thought her I found her bland and boring. But on this current rewatch that we're doing for the show, where we're analyzing things, I am really liking Kess.
2: Yeah, I think it's fair to say that the character itself is a fascinating idea, in particular with like the shortened lifespan and with having Janeway as a mentor. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like that relationship, they stopped doing that pretty quickly. And the fact that I just feel that either the show itself or the writing room at the time was not prepared to make a lot of statements or dive deeply into her specific character. Um but the but the theory could have been really great and the performance is amazing for what it is given, I think.
0: Yeah, and she and she sort of slots into the absent counselor role.
2: Yeah. Yep.
0: Which we definitely see on this episode a little bit later. Uh so we'll yeah, you know, I'll just fast forward through what happens after this briefing. Kess is walking down the hall and Tuvix is just sort of lurking. Not really lurking. He's just standing there. Uh, mm-hmm. He invites her to dinner. They chat for a while, and she makes it clear that she's not really comfortable with what's happening.
1: And this is when we get the papaya.
0: Yes, that's right. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. And <laughs> this is when he takes over the kitchen. That's right. I was thinking of the later scene where uh, Tuvix just sort of drops in on Kes. That's when she goes and talks to the captain. But we'll get to that in a bit. Anyway, yes. Yeah, so we're... Yes, we're there in the mess hall, and no one has how to, knows how to cook anything. Like someone was like, "Someone's eggs are burning," and another and another crew member calls out, "Oh, those are mine." It's like, "Did you start them? Are you waiting for them? <laughs> like, like if you started them, why aren't you in there cooking them? Why aren't you taking turns, just each making your own meal? Why isn't someone like, I really know how to make the heck out of uh, out of some grilled cheese sandwiches and just making like a thousand grilled cheese sandwiches." why isn't now a good time for each of them to be like, you know what? I am going to use my replicator rations tonight.
1: Well, <laughs> oh, I feel like that's probably what Paris and Kim are doing as they're sitting at the table watching this chaos unfold. I, I'm I'm, thinking they used the replicator.
0: Yeah. I mean, that makes sense,
1: but it was, it was obviously Tuviks immediately straightened everything out and mm-hmm. set about, set about to cooking. And in, in when he's busy doing this, Kess is actually enjoying <clears throat> herself.
2: And this is the part of Tubics that I really appreciate when they make it clear that the combination of these two individuals makes them greater than their separate parts. I think it is a potentially unintentional but nice representation of um, infinite diversity and infinite combinations, right? Mm -hmm. Like, we have other episodes where a single person is separated into two people and they become worse. I think it's cool to see the more you put into a space, the better that space becomes. So th- these are these are where I like Tuvix, these scenes.
0: Yeah. And Dakota even calls that out where he says, you know, there's that old expression, yeah. the whole is never greater than the sum of its
2: parts.
1: Yeah. But that's not necessarily always true.
2: No, certainly not in this case at the beginning of this episode. Yeah.
1: So things get a little creepy towards the end of this scene when he and yes. are cleaning yep. up after everyone leaves.
0: Uh, yeah, because Tuvix is kind of like throwing shade on Neelix. Which is weird, and then he gets too comfortable with kiss.
2: Yep. Here's a thing. Yes. If someone ever tells you that without you they'd be entirely lost, and seem to imply that they would be in a bad place if you didn't stay with them, that's not healthy. No, that's manipulation. That's not healthy behavior. <laughs>
0: well, that's why I said it. it like, we got this like return to like the old emotionally manip- manipulative psychologically abusive neelix
2: yep and that's where tuvix as a character starts to take a turn i think for me because <laughs> oh here we go
0: yeah but before we can dig into that too much further we are down on the planet with torres and paris and they're picking flowers and they have a prize-winning chrysanthemum i don't know And then a garden-variety lily. I don't know. Whatever it was. But I'm just wondering, aren't really all plants a garden-variety?
1: It was a prize-winning chrysanthemum and a garden-variety clematis.
0: Ah. And then the symbiogenetic orchid. Put them all in the tube and send it up to the ship. And Taurus makes the comment that it was like, I never thought my horticultural studies would come in handy from Starfleet Academy or something. He's like, you're just picking three different flowers. Like, you're not doing any research here. You're just, like, you're picking one specific flower and two randos, and then someone else is beaming them up, and then it's gonna magically turn into something new. Like, you're not doing anything here.
1: So, Clematis is part of the Buttercup family, apparently.
0: I hear it has the sweetest smile.
1: Nice. <laughs> uh, and, and it is also the only time we hear of a Clematis on Star Trek.
0: But it's a real thing, so... It's like a it half one count. and done?
2: It's not it's even a half, half and one done? and done.
0: It's a real thing. They didn't invent it for the thing. Uh, okay. There are no one and dones in this episode. I love when
2: you track usages of words on Star Trek. I love it a lot. Two Vicks is a one and done. Ooh, too soon. Okay,
0: fine. Then every episode we've... Too soon. <laughs> then fine. Every episode we've watched has a rando character introduced like, Hi, my name is Bob Zark. It's like, Bob Zark's a one and done.
1: Well, I'm just saying...
0: I can't keep i I can't keep track of that. That's Fair too much.
1: <laughs> yeah, because we don't even get any like uh, alien ins, alien adjective regular human noun food this week.
0: Well, not food, but he does with the amoeba. Ah, uh,
1: okay.
0: And the uh, and then later in the episode when it's like a thing of being sat down, sat down for a Nemurian in, inquisition, I think.
1: No one expects the Namurian Inquisition. <laughs> so
0: they actually beam the flowers up to Transporter Room One. It it's does exist. Nah,
1: nah <laughs> no. they just changed the number on the door this week.
0: No, no, even better. They're still in transporter room two. They're just routing the signal for, through the other one.
1: <laughs> yeah, one exists, but yeah. they never actually use it. Like, well, just, because the
0: pad yeah. didn't get. It's not going to get installed until Tuesday.
2: <laughs> it's like that one school in the wayside uh, story school. Like, it doesn't actually exist. It's like story thirteen or thirty or whatever.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. I mean,
0: I them. love sideways stories from Wayside School. Yeah, even like a- even like the base premise yeah. where it was like, well, the idea was to build a school thirty stories tall, but they laid the bro- they they set down the blueprint sideways, <laughs> and so they just built it the other way.
1: <laughs> By the way, speaking of the transporter room two thing, uh, the other week while watching, I guess it was when we were watching investigations uh i commented that i on twitter that i was beginning to, su- to suspect the voyager only had the one transporter room which they named transporter room 2 and a diligent person on the internet at r4 unit uh actually did the research transporter room 1 was mentioned at least 30 times transporter room 2 was mentioned at least 47 times hey and tra- although that's <laughs> got to be a coincidence. I mean, I doubt they actually yeah. planned that out. Uh, and transporter room three Whoa. was mentioned at least 18 times.
0: It's surprising to me that a ship that size has three transporter rooms.
1: I know, right? Especially when you figure they also would have, like, it's not like they would be using the transporter rooms for cargo, tr- for large cargo shipments. That would be using the cargo transporter in the cargo bay. Cargo bay, <laughs> cargo too, bay two,
2: of
0: course. Yeah, so we're, so we're back in sick bay Mm sickbay too and
1: (laughs) (laughs) this time it's personal (laughs)
0: that's right well i mean it kind of is because the doctor is looking at the flowers and saying that every time we've tried to then separate out the constituent parts they it's total degradation and it's just this you know crumpled dead thing and you know they have no way of isolating the individual dna it's like but doesn't the doctor have all the crew members dna on file
1: don't they just have the transporter pattern from the last time they beamed up?
0: Yeah, or beamed down. Right. You know, so they wouldn't remember their conversation from... Didn't
1: we use that in an earlier episode this season?
0: Uh, recovering an old trans... Uh, buffer?
1: No, it was last season. Wasn't that how they did they fixed They fixed it at some point in-, in one of the episodes. They used transporter buff- buffer for something.
2: Was it faces? In TNG, they definitely use a version of Pulaski... To bring her back, which
1: they used it on Pulaski. They used it when the pe- when the when Picard turned
2: into a kid, and the episode of Pulaski and one of the animated series would seem to tell us that you are dead, killed, dead. Yes, every time you transport, and then a new version of you is rebuilt. We've had
1: long talks about that.
2: In many ways, the earlier when Janeway made a reference to there's never been such a transporter accident in the history of Starfleet, which is an amusing, I think, in-joke on how there have been multiple episodes about this before. Well,
1: there have been other kinds of transporter accidents. <laughs> but but But, like, two people becoming
0: one, that
2: is new. There could just be multiple copies of everybody running around all the time, and it's fine.
1: Yes! So, on that note, we've had transporter duplicates before. Why do we even have to kill Tuvix
2: to do this? If Thomas Riker exists, Tuvix yeah. can exist, right?
1: Exactly. If Thomas Riker exists, then then Tuvok, Neelix, and Tuvix can all coexist.
2: I am unfortunately jumping ahead, but my thesis is that it's not a moral quandary if your universe can solve the moral problem.
1: Oh, <laughs> well, sure.
2: But I'm just saying, it's not a problem that should even happen. Correct, it's not actually a problem.
0: It, no, it's uh, there are so many different ways they could have solved that they could have addressed this issue, include like up to and including having Neelix, Tuvok, and Tuvix.
2: Mm-hmm. Correct,
0: since I mean, as we see throughout this episode, you know, Tuvix is doing the jobs of both Neelix and Tuvok, and somehow doing both of them better than their previous people, and both of them at the same time somehow, magically? Because I have to feel that, like, Tuvok's shift would have overlapped with Neelix needing to be, <laughs> be in the kitchen to make things.
1: Would it? Every time Tuvok is in the mess hall, Neelix is there. Thad, what rank does Tuvix get? Tuvix has, a uh, Lieutenant Pips, I believe.
0: I don't think he had... I Wait, or did he did he put pips on when he changed into like the regular uniform?
1: When he changes to the the uniform, I believe he has the two. Yeah, he has the two fox lieutenant pips.
0: Okay, I, I I couldn't remember. I think I just got focused on the fact that just, like when he was in the two vix uniform, he didn't. He have was any pips. Yeah. Yes.
2: Do you think that's why Kim was like, I don't care, kill this guy. It's fine. He gets to be lieutenant. Probably
0: <laughs> Well, I think that Harry recognizes more than anyone else that it was you know he's just like a an accident that had happened since it was harry's accident that that resulted in this Tuvix
1: is a walking reminder to harry that he will always be an ensign
0: always he wants him gone (laughs) harry's gonna make a modification to the let's all kill neelix holodeck program
1: and make it let's all kill (laughs) Tuvix,"
0: so that he can also kill Tuvix. yes over and over again so while we're in the sickbay and the doctor is talking about the fact they can't separate the things he he ends with the comment i feel as though i've lost two patients But have you? Yes.
1: Mm, Yes and no.
0: I mean, admittedly, Tuvok and Neelix were dead the second they stepped into the transporter, but they were alive again when they got on the planet.
1: I would still say that Tuvok and Neelix exist in Tuvix in a way that Tuvix does not exist in Tuvok and Neelix.
0: I would say, referencing the Stargate Weekly episode that's going to come out, before this a few weeks before this calendars are hard i don't care anymore uh, that we just <laughs> talked about this week pretense that when Tubik says that neelix and Tubok live on within him that's akin to saying nothing of the host survives <laughs> <laughs> and that living a life where you don't actually have control of your body anymore is no life at all
1: but the host does survive. That's the whole point. The host does survive. Right. In the
0: host survives, but has no control over their body. So they survive in like a the cage of their own body, <laughs> See, and they can't escape.
1: If it was the orchid in control, and this was like Lieutenant Orchid, then I. How would... do you know the
0: orchid's not in control?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I suppose that's true. The orchid is still in control of either Newtealik. Telix. <laughs> I <mean>, Telix
0: <they're> <laughs> or Nuvok, yes.
1: Yeah, because one of them still has the orchid inside them. Presumably.
2: This is where I start to part from the doctor's quote, principled stance at the end of the episode, because here he has decided he's lost two patients, but he still continues to try to find a cure.
0: Right. And then like once he's found the cure... Well, because his principal position is that if the patient doesn't want to take the cure, I can't force it upon them. So like that, that's where his principle is. It's not, it's, he also yeah, does say like, I, I can't, like I'm like, I not yeah. gonna, yeah, I'm not gonna like force Tuvix to end his life without his consent.
2: I'm just going to give somebody else the decision to be made. Right. Mm.
0: I mean, I, 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 and I was thinking about like, well, why didn't he kind of stand up more? But I have to realize that he's in a unique position where if he had kept standing up to Janeway, Janeway could have just said Computer you know, shut down the emergency medical hologram.
2: Well, I think about it when he says, I feel as though I've lost two patients. Like, he's called the time of death. You don't keep trying to resuscitate the patient, but he kept trying to resuscitate the patient. Mm. Unless you make the argument that he was doing the research purely in case this should happen again, so that they can kill the new creature faster next time so there's not an ethical dilemma.
0: Well, because he, no, he had said that like, uh, later when we are back in sickbay, he says that he's going to keep working on it no matter how long it takes in order yeah. to restore them to two separate people. So Which, yeah. I
2: don't understand. So hmm. you haven't
1: lost a patient if you're still working on it, is, mm-hmm. is what Ben's saying. And that's a fair point.
0: Yeah. So after sickbay, we see Kes in her quarters sort of meditating or praying over the situation. Tuvix comes on in, they have a conversation, and he gets creepy again. So. And creepy. tells Kes that he loves her. And forget to Pell, he carries Tuvok's love for her inside of him.
2: <laughs> I've heard that one before. Right. You know,
0: but Kes <laughs> is the person in front of him, and so therefore, that's who gets to have Tuvix's wonderful affection. She tells him to leave, but before he does, he of course has to touch her face and then kiss her cheek, and then he leaves.
1: Little creepy. Or a lot creepy.
0: Most things about Tubics are creepy. Including his hair. What is that?
1: His hair is very odd. Like, I can almost understand that it was a blending of the two, but, like, I feel like he could have done some styling with that.
0: Styling is illogical.
1: (laughs) Mm. Nah, Falcons have style.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Let's be very clear. Those haircuts have no logic. They're just for the look.
0: After this, Kess goes to Janeway's quarters, uh, and they talk things out and this is the moment in particular that i was talking about where it really is a shame that the ship doesn't have a counselor right i think that even gets mentioned in an earlier episode in season one maybe
1: i believe it does yes this would ordinarily be something for the ship's counselor
0: right but like we don't have one because we were only supposed to be out in the badlands for a couple of weeks before returning to deep to deep space nine or something like they didn't have a counselor on board because they was gonna they were gonna like come over on a shuttlecraft on tuesday or something
2: or so. Yeah, and these are the types of scenes that I remember when I think about my watch through Voyager, because these are just moments in which really, really good actors are allowed to just kind of breathe and do good work. Yes, And this was a really, really, really excellent scene, and certainly, you know, would have liked to see a lot more of this relationship in the show.
1: Very much so. Oh, yeah. We get a mention of Mark, because we yeah. had mostly forgotten that Janeway had a fiancé at this point. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Janeway clearly has not forgotten him, though.
1: No. We will later find out that he's already forgotten her.
0: Ooh. Cold-blooded.
2: I appreciate the honesty, and, you know, it would have been very easy for her to give a, you know, heroic speech about hope and never giving up Mm -hmm. ETC, but, like, being just sort of honest with this person who's clearly in some form of emotional crisis around there is always hope, but it will be hard very, very, very hard, and you're going to have to sort of deal with that.
0: Yeah, no, I, I really like the conversation between Kess and Janeway. It was good.
2: I like the dynamic between
1: Chess. Chess, uh, Where did that come from? Kes chess and, and Ch- Kaneway. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, That one doesn't even work because she's not Janeway. <laughs> Unless I was doing a threesome with Chicote. I don't know. Uh now that's
0: some slash fiction. <laughs> I'll
2: send
1: the link. <laughs> between Kess and janeway i i really like the relationship that they have
0: yeah oh yeah so now we get a bit of a montage because it's weeks later now when tubix has integrated himself with the crew and we get a montage with a janeway voiceover talking about how it's been a few weeks and tubix has integrated himself with the crew <laughs> and there's one moment where she's in mess hall and she's like i must admit i prefer his cooking to neelix's and she like tastes something and does that sort of like eye thing you always see in pop culture when people have had something like really tasty. Yeah. Have either of you ever done that to your yeah. knowledge?
2: Not that I know of. I think I did it once when somebody cooked for me and they really needed it. Okay. Okay. And it was fake. It wasn't real. <laughs> oh, I, I mean, I've done the like, Hmm. if something's really good, but no, sure. i never
1: done the eye thing.
2: She also did the Janeway hands, which are like ch- jazz hands. she just kind of throws a hand up by her face being like ah it's great she's the only person like it's very old broadway
0: yes so after this we're in uh uh, harry's quarters he's practicing his cello not cello (laughs) that's not a cello
1: it's a a clarinet it
0: starts with a c it's
1: not (laughs) even the same kind of instrument
0: but it starts with a c (laughs) So we're in Harry's quarters. He's practicing his, his clarinet when the doctor interrupts because apparently in Starfleet they have not invented do not disturb mode,
1: <laughs> and he has to turn to his ho- emergency medic- emergency holographic channel.
0: Yeah, but, you know it's nineteen ninety six, and so video calling wasn't really a thing at all. And so the idea of it just being you know, like some sort of ringtone effectively, and then Harry having to like uh, like choosing whether to refuse or accept etc (laughs) etc like can you have like i remember a couple years back google introduced this new video messaging service that has probably since been abandoned because google can't help themselves but to introduce a new messaging service every three years and then abandon it every three years (laughs)
1: usually because most people don't use it
0: exactly anyway and this and like this thing was that like as soon as you like if I was gonna like call one of you guys with this service, as soon as I said I want to call Ben, cameras would turn on, on on both sides. Creepy. like the video feed wouldn't actually like start. I think until you accepted the call, or like they added that in. But if like if both people were in the in like the other person's favorites, it would start automatically. Like it would like auto accept the call effectively.
2: Yeah, I don't want yeah. that. That definitely still exists in my day to day life. I operate as sort of online or like help to operate an online um sort of classroom technology and it's auto set to like start your camera immediately when you log in and everyone hates it and that's half the tickets of like please don't do that set your things a different way
0: yeah so anyway so we're in harry's quarters and the doctor calls him and the doctor uh says to him Suppose I found a thing—a thing—it made me think of Entourage. Is that something you'd be interested in?
1: <laughs> yes, Bob, that's <laughs> something I would be interested in.
0: Entourage is a terrible show; no one should ever watch it.
1: <laughs> it has very little redeeming qualities. That said, I did just do an entire, a complete Entourage rewatch last month.
2: So, and yes, here we are.
0: But since I have watched all of it, obviously, I'm going to quote from it. So, <laughs>
2: <laughs> victory! Oh, Christ.
0: so (laughs) yes the the doctor posits a way to tag the dna so that they can use the medical transporter to then separate the samples back out
1: i like how after he talks about this theoretical thing then neil is like wait a second is this about two you mean harry (laughs) yeah that's what did i say Neelix? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. yes. Kim. Kim is like, is this about Tubics? No, it's about that other guy down the street.
0: <laughs> no, I only care about separating the flowers that we combined.
1: Right. I wanted that flower. Right. And now, so when when as soon as Kim realizes it's about destroying his enemy, he's <laughs> right down to sickbay. That's
0: right. <laughs> so. Now we're in Shea Sandrine, where Tubics is cleaning up in pool, apparently.
1: So, we get this in TV shows and movies all the time. He's just like, eight ball corner pocket. Dude, there's four corners.
0: <laughs>
1: you need to be a little more specific.
0: Yeah, I don't, can't recall if he like pointed his cue at the particular corner pocket he was aiming for.
2: Were there also both solids and stripes left on the table? Well, we don't know what game they were playing. Just put the eight ball in a corner pocket? That's a very silly game.
1: No, it, I only see solids on the table, actually.
2: Okay, great. great, great. Okay, good, good, good. Good for you, Art Department.
0: <laughs> it's the little things. Mm-hmm. Uh, comes in, and she sort of does like that, you know, yeah, yeah, like head thing, you know, <laughs> to, to Tubix to be like, hey, let's go over sit over here. Uh, she says that, you know what? I've decided we can be friends.
1: Tubix has a obvious reaction to that.
0: Yes, and he says, I'm not going anywhere. And then, of course, his mobile goes.
1: Yeah, and Cass also says that she hopes that their friendship would
0: grow. Yes. And he's summoned down to Sick Bay where the doctor's now presenting the two separated flowers. Well actually Harry presents them. I kind of feel like a actual active demonstration would have been in order. Yes. I mean like I mean I guess we believe you, Harry, but it's your fault this happened in the first place. And I've never really known you to lie. But yeah.
1: yeah, no, you'd think Active Demonstration, because they do that in other episodes, like back in Season 1 in Time and Again. Time and Again. They turn on that generating machine that would have been really dangerous to turn on next to the warp core, but they still turn it on just to show that it works.
2: Yeah. Ran out of budget,
0: maybe. <laughs> so, everyone's really excited. They're like, hey, this is great. We can get Neelix and Tuvok back. And Tuvok says, but there's only one problem. I don't want to die. And thus enters the Moral Dilemma. We're now, we're back in the briefing room, but it's only Janeway and Chakotay, and she is saying, you know, if the Doctor had the solution five minutes after Tubic showed up, I would have been like, yeah, do it. But <laughs> now I've gotten to know this new entity, and I feel bad. Well, that's fair. Sure.
1: That's how humans work. Yeah. yeah. Right or wrong, we feel much more empathy towards someone that we can relate to, or someone that we know.
0: Mm-hmm. Tuvix comes in and this is when we get the Numerian Inquisition thing.
1: It was unexpected.
0: Yeah. You know, we get the whole conversation about, well, I'm the captain, I need to be the voice for the people who can't speak anymore because they there was this terrible accident. <laughs> Tuvix says something, it was like I have great regard for Neelix and Tuvix, Neelix and Tuvok or something like that. They're like, you know, they're they're like my parents to me. Except that, no, because, like, when a baby is born, it's not like the parents die because they've been melded into the baby.
2: Yeah, this isn't Charlotte's Web. Like, your parents are still around.
0: (laughs) Uh, Right, and humans don't have, like, humans and Vulcans and Talaxians don't have genetic memory. So, it's not like a baby is born with the memories of its parents. So, no, they're nothing like the parents to you other than being genetic donors.
2: Yeah, it's when he says, don't you think I care about Tuvok and Neelix? And I'm going, no, you don't. Yeah.
0: T'Pol will always be in my heart.
2: <laughs> yeah, right there. T'Pol. Vulcan names. <laughs> they sound like sound effects in a comic book.
0: <laughs> and then we get him saying something something larger to the effect of, if you prick me, do I not bleed?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That's an interesting question. I wonder what color his blood is.
0: Ooh. What color is... Neelix's blood blood. is
1: red. Tuvok's blood is green.
0: Right. So it's brown?
1: I guess, yeah. Or is it? Because Spock's blood is green.
2: I think overall this entire scene is really well done because having now watched it a few times in the (laughs) last year, it's actually actually uncomfortable to watch, like to actually just physically sit in it. It's like when I'm actually trying to pay attention to it, it's hard to actually just be physically in the space it's that well done and that awkward
0: yeah it it is kind of hard to watch even though i do ultimately fall on janeway's side and say that she made the correct decision if no other reason than that salvaging two whole people is better than having one person who's trying to do too many things even if he is even if he does have an edge in other places he can't be in two places at once
2: right yeah, and I certainly I certainly understand, and this is definitely not a space, which I've seen, unfortunately, quite a lot in the fandom, where this is the point where everyone just says that Jaime is awful because of this moment. Definitely not that space. I don't agree with her. But I think that the argument of, it's only a problem now because you know him, if, if it's a moral argument, then the second he popped out as Tuvix and they could have fixed him, it would have been equally as bad to do it then. Yeah. Cause you're still killing a new life form. Yes, you are. And so I, and so I feel like if your moral argument is only specific because of the time, then it's not necessarily, uh, you know, so cut and dry, but, um, and that also, I also don't like Tuvix. I feel like he turned <laughs> really weird and gross and I understand why, because he's trying to save himself but he becomes remarkably venal by the end of this episode and so that it it complicates the entire space and makes it a really challenging decision to be made and i kind of like that a lot that voyager decided to make it hard and not easy like a lot of other choices on star trek are Mm -hmm.
1: yes it is a tough decision that said and i know that uh there's going to be dis- some disagreement on this point here. I think that Janeway made the wrong decision.
2: Yeah, I, w- I would agree with you as well. I think that it's a, I I think she made the wrong decision as well. I think it's from maybe like I get why she did it and I don't hold it against her. But I I guess yeah. if we're saying, are we saying would we have made the same decision in that space? I certainly would not have. I would not have either. Because I,
1: I, I can understand the argument that you're killing Tubok and Neelix but mm-hmm. that happened. That was an accident. Tuvok and Neelix are not there. That's a tragedy. Tuvix is there. They're making the conscious
2: decision to end Tuvix's life. Well, I think it's entirely fair to say that the transporter killed two people and Janeway killed one person in this episode. I think that's yeah. fair.
1: Well, the transporter kills people every week, but
2: <laughs> Yeah. And Janeway brought two and Janeway in in a Star Trek sci-fi way, Janeway brought back two people. In the same mm-hmm. episode, so that is needs to be stated yes. as well. Yes, but it it still
1: this still is at the end of the day this is murder, uh, and it was
0: wrong. I don't because Tuvix came about because of this transporter accident where he has none of his own genetic code. It's an amalgam of well three different life forms, and yes, that makes it unique. But he has the memories of. Two of the three, I don't know if flowers have memories, but because he doesn't have anything that's his own, like, that to me, it makes it feel like it's less than a full life. Like, I'm not saying he's not alive, but I'm not saying that it's the same as if she was like, Mr. Ayala, we're gonna run you through this thing and turn you into your parents.
1: See, I... Wouldn't would say that it doesn't actually matter where the genetic material came from. He is alive. He is his own being. I, I understand your what you're saying, but I don't agree.
0: That's fine. We're allowed to disagree here. Mm-hmm.
2: So if I could do that thing that all of us Trek fans do, which is rewrite the episode to our own favor, how would you both, would your arguments change if instead of there was a way to separate them and we're just going to do it. It was, there's a way to separate them and the orchid is killing two Vicks. And so it's either separate them before he dies or all three of them die again. Does that soften the blow? Does that, that make That would. It... Yes. Okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. If it turned out that, you know, the addition of the orchid DNA, as it turns out is actually having some sort of degenerative effect. And that's why the doctor is working so hard to separate them. Cause we, cause I mean, you're not wrong. We do get to the, like, we get back to the thing. If like, I feel like I've lost two patients, but I'm going to keep working on getting those two patients back. Mm-hmm. It was like a little weird. Uh, I mean, like doctors will sometimes keep working to resuscitate someone, but
2: no, he's gone. So in that space, it would be okay for someone to kill two Vex before he dies naturally in order to get back the other two.
0: Right, you know, they would have like a set window where hmm. if it goes, if it goes much longer, then the degradation will be too great, and we won't be able to salvage anybody.
2: And does Tuvix get to decide that, or does the doctor decide that?
0: I think that would they could still find a way to write it that they would ultimately be the captain's call. Sure. If Tuvix, it, like if Tuvix were still to say no, I want every second, yeah, exactly. that I can get in this stolen life.
2: I want to die myself. I don't want. To be killed right
0: this life that was thrust upon me that doesn't you know that just happened to me i i still want to milk every second of it i want to keep being creepy on on kiss yeah i want to <laughs> keep showing up to kote at pool i want to keep improving neelix's crepe recipes
2: that's kind of the character we get so yeah
0: yeah because he's like he's like so proud of being better than both of them yes <laughs> yeah he is and
1: well it's got like the neelix that's that in and of itself is a combination of tuvok and neelix the fact that he's proud of being better than both of them because that's like a merging of both of their mindsets
0: yeah but it it could still be written in such a way that the doctor decides to push forward with the uh, not the doctor but the that Janeway decides to push forward with the with the procedure regardless of tuvix's feelings on the matter And like forcibly separate them out before they lose the opportunity.
2: And would you find that? Would you find that more morally? I would. Acceptable? I think I would too. But I don't think it's super logical.
1: Hmm. That's fair. Hmm. Also, if if
2: Tuvix was okay with it, I would be okay with it too. Oh, certainly. Then the whole then there's not really a problem, right?
1: Right. But that wouldn't be compelling television.
2: No. Yeah. And if anything, this was compelling television. So
1: It was. No, I enjoyed this episode uh, for production reasons. I've watched it way more than I really wanted to. But it is a powerful episode, and I do enjoy it. But it is not one that I would... It's, it's certainly not a feel-good episode. It's not one I want to go back and watch a lot.
0: Sure. So we just spent all this time talking about the end of the episode... I'll just do, like, the quick recap on what happened before we got to the end. <laughs> After the conversation in the briefing room where Jamin makes her position clear that we have this procedure now, we're going to do it, because she has two lives in the balance versus one, and she sees an opportunity to bring back two lives that were their own lives, you know, rather than this amalgam. And she never, like, calls him that or anything like that. She never makes the case of the, of him being, like, a stolen life or or, or anything, which I think also... Could have been used to help her case um, in the fandom, but uh, Tuvix then goes to Kess like, You're the only one who can help me. And Kess I don't think, says anything to him and then goes off to the captain and says, Tuvix asked me to help him, but I can't. <laughs> Jamie makes a decision, goes out to the bridge and tells Tuvix that she wants to talk to him alone, and Tuvix is having none of that, and raises his voice. I think everyone should hear what you have to say. And then appeals to the bridge to see if they'll step in to make Janeway change her mind, I guess. And then finally he's hauled off to sickbay.
1: And that was a heartbreaking scene where no one responds to him.
0: What are they going to say?
1: Yeah, I know. But you can just feel for him in that scene because he's making a desperate plea and he's getting nowhere.
0: So they're back down in sickbay. The doctor refuses to do the procedure because because Tuvix does not consent to it.
1: Yeah, that's yeah that's medical ethics right there
0: yeah 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 i i can agree with that position uh and then finally Janeway goes through with it Tuvox and neelix are separated and that's the end of the episode well it ends with Janeway, tuvox maybe
1: tuvoks and neelix
0: yeah yeah they're you know separated <laughs> and no and no orchid sitting between them
1: right so one of them still has the orchid inside them the one yes who's, the one whose genetic markers weren't flagged with whatever it was that the doctor used to flag them still has an orchid inside them.
0: Uh, and the episode ends, uh, not with the ship flying off into space, but rather with Janeway kind of walking morosely back down the hall.
1: We don't get to see the broken taillight this episode. No. So yes. And that is the resolution of this episode,
0: which is incidentally what we'll be talking about next week. <laughs>
1: Thank you for listening this week. If you enjoyed this, you should check out our other show, Stargate Weekly.
0: You can find or review both on your podcast player of choice, and you can also reach us at our email address, DeltaflyerPod at gmail.com.
2: I'm at Tyranicus on Twitter.
0: I'm at Gamicus.
2: And I'm at Benji Nielsen. Thank you so much for having me back.
0: It's always a treat.
2: And you can follow the show on Twitter at DeltaflyerPod.
0: And that's our show. Yeah.
2: Yeah, sorry. I literally thought there was someone in my apartment and I had a minor moment.